<laughs> okay. Um, first off, uh, there was a little cutting out from the person that was leading the meeting. I'm not sure if that's my side or yours. So, but you guys are unable to hear me. I'll get in the headset or so. Anyway, my name is Mark Kim. I am an absent compulsive overeater and food addict. I'm grateful to have this opportunity to be here with you all. Um, uh, I was 519 pounds when I came into OA out in 2007. That is also my abstinence date. Um, I can't show you guys photos on the phone. But, hey Mark, uh, you're, going, you're, 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 you're a little yeah. choppy. It's a little choppy. Okay, let's, okay, I'll try and see what I can do here and come on second thing. Um, <clears throat> give me a second here. Are you back with us, Mark? Um, I am. Hold on a second. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, let's let's give it a shot. This is the way these things work. Uh, I am uh, traveling a bit, so I'm. Uh, let me know if you can't hear me as well. This is I'm not in the greatest place where there's greatest internet. So anyway, um, all right. So again. I was 519 pounds when I came into OA on April 18, 2007, which is my abstinence date. Uh, can't show you photos, but um, and I don't know what my weight is now because my nutritionist and I, this was sort of suggested to her that I don't know my weight. So, so basically for more than 15 years, I have not known how much I weigh. I have weighed myself. I have done it blindly. To my or those people that need to know that weight, my nutritionist and my doctor. But that number, if you want to know how much something has power over you, take it away. And that number, which I thought wasn't a big deal to me because I'd never shied away from getting on the scale or whatever. I never sort of tried to kind of manipulate things in that regard. But I'll tell you, when we when I stopped doing that, like knowing what I weighed, I would I would I remember just being almost frantic, not really knowing. So I still have my extra skin. You know, that skin doesn't just snap back, not when you get that kind of weight. So this is my story, my own personal journey. Take what you need, leave the rest. If I say something that's not aligned with your sponsor, please go with your sponsor on that. So uh, uh, this is just my flavor of the journey. So what I was like. So... You know, I kind of start this out with this. It says, I ate to sate the fears, anxieties, the anger, the disappointments, the pressures of my problems, the boredom of everyday life, 
I procrastinated, I hid, and I ate. That was what my whole entire life was before I came to this program. I was so full of fear, so full of distortions in my head that sort of was my higher power that I didn't even know which way was up half the time, and I was just so scared trying to protect myself. You know, my monkey mind reacted. You know, all that chatter going on, there's no room for God. The only God I have is fear. And <clears throat> so, you know, when we talk about powerlessness, food was not my problem. Food was my answer. It just happened to be the answer that was killing me. Right? And I tried paying ways my whole entire life, and I'll talk about that in a second. You know, it was a way for me to, to solve my problem. It was just a plan, right? But I was, you know, whenever I would get on that, it wouldn't be very long before I was back on it. So that gives me an insanity, right? That gives me an step two, talking about insanity, talking about despair, you know, right? You know, because step two is about hope. I had no hope. The only hope I had was in with the lies that I was telling myself. So it was a false hope. It wasn't really true. It was, I was staying stuck in the middle of that, that I needed to have food, that I needed to eat compulsively, that I, that, was, that I needed to medicate myself and check out and escape reality, right? You know, my compulsive overeating and food behaviors, you know, uh, I, was, I would, you know, talk about insanity and despair. I got very good at my hair, the crumbs that I gave myself. I'm sorry, what? Um, I also live my life in isolation, so insanity and despair, right, that I could do it myself. My mom used to tell me a little story about myself that I would stomp, when I was little, I would stomp my little feet and put my hands on my hips and say, I'll do it my known self. And you know what? You know how I didn't even know when she was telling me that story how powerful that concept was for me, that I was going to do it my own self. Right, and I spent 42 years of my life, my life in charge of my life, and guess what? I didn't love myself very much. The person in charge of my life, I didn't love myself, and I felt I was fake and I was broken. How is that going to turn out? Right. So I had this distorted belief system, this faith, this faith that I had. I, I remember coming in the program and thinking I didn't have any faith. But I did. I had faith in the lies that was telling about myself and the world around me. It was going to save me, right? This is the, and, and and how powerful that is is I I took that faith and I got 119 pounds, 525 pounds of being the highest I ever got, which means I was using that faith to kill myself one body at a time. That is how powerful faith is, that I could not drop the faith. Now, it's, it's about transference. Now, coming in this program meant that I'm transferring that faith, that faith that did not work, into a faith that worked, right, into my higher power. So, so you know, I, you know, a lot of my faith was the concept of basically being okay, right? that I was not okay, that I didn't measure up, that I would go deep down out, that I was constantly in the middle that was my faith, right? So, so basically, where did I get, get me? Well, you know, I was in the close family with 
We were, we were close, but close physically. My father was absolutely on alcoholism. My mother was a compulsive overeater. In high school, you know, I was gone and bullied. It was always like outside of life again, right? And I remember thinking that that was meant to be outside of life again, right? So we're staying in my 200 pounds of in the ninth grade. I lost 50 pounds, I think, okay? And so I go out there and kind of think, okay, I'm Nothing. I just had a movement out there. Life came at me. It was just life. Life on life's terms. And I sucked back up in that hole again. And I used that kind of experience to validate again that I was not okay. So it wasn't very long before I gained that weight back and went beyond that 200 pounds, 250 pounds. You know, I lost that way, and by the time I entered college, I was 175 pounds, and even sort of going into a little bit of startings of, a, of an exercise bulimia almost, you know. But by the time I got out of college, I was 300 pounds. I had a place, you know, place for myself. I, I had money because my parents you know, gave me money for school kind of a thing, and, and, you know, I used it a little unwisely in the sense that I used it for food and maybe not for all things that I needed to do. Right, but by the time then I got into work, where I had money in place of my own. I didn't really save very much money. What I did is put it all in my addiction, all in my compulsive behaviors. I would go to work and that you know, like I was supposed to do every day something. But this company hired me. I was like, they are going to find out that they hired a fraud. You know, and that's what I'm going super early in the morning trying to do way over just to meet the mark. I, I way over to try and get there, and I was so afraid. And I went home at the end of the day, gathered up all my supplies. I turned off the lights, shut shut the doors, turned off the lights, you know, closed the curtains, turned on the TV, had all my supplies, and I just ate until I could walk. Right? So that was kind of my life. I had a college, I was 100 pounds, and I just fucked all the way up from that point. There wasn't a lot of downwind. I think I lost 30 pounds one time, 20, 20 pounds one time or whatever, but it was really a slow climb up. So in 1998, I was 545. It said the thing that made the willpower possible was the knowledge that as soon as the day was finished, I could drink myself into oblivion. Inside, though, I was scared to death. Maybe I wouldn't be able to hold on to any job. And, of course, for me, it was eat myself into oblivion. That word oblivion, my eating disorder, my sort of, my disease, the disease that I have, this, my compulsive eating, I, a lot of life got lost in that for me. A lot of life. I don't have kids. You know, I, I, I finally got in this program and got to a place where I could actually truly love someone else. Really, well, I learned to love myself first so that I had the capacity to be able to love somebody else. You know, but then a lot of time passed. I was 42, and by the time I kind of got to this point and got in the steps and did all that work, you know, that's a lot of time going, and that's okay, right? But, but I lost a lot of life. My career, in a way, like, started when I got, really, really started when I got in this program, 
right? I really think, and it took some time to kind of get through these steps and to kind of get, you know, uh, to get a, uh, um, to really truly let God be absorbed within me, you know? Um, you know, I'm going to jump a whole bunch of years. 1998, I'm going to jump all the way to, We can't hear you, Mark. Mark, are you still with us? Are you there, Mark? Can the dash person see Mark on the call? I am back on the call. <laughs> okay. Did you guys get any of that? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Yeah, we just are at the place where you're getting ready to jump. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go. Yeah. Thank you, and, and thank you all for being patient with me. Uh, again, I'm traveling a bit. I'm in a small space, and, and, and anyway, I'll just keep moving. So 2006, before I came in the program, I was 525 pounds. I could barely walk. I couldn't buckle the seatbelt in my car. I was too big to fit in the seats in movie theaters and boost the restaurants. You know, I went out to events, and I remember breaking chair, uh, breaking a chair, broke two chairs in the same place one time. I was isolated terribly out of shame and the fear of humiliation whenever I was out in social situations. I was really unable to administer really good self-care, keeping myself clean, really. It's not something I love talking about, but that's true. I was told by three doctors, I remember being in a hospital at that point, I thought I was having a heart attack, it took me about three months to get there into the hospital, which is, shows you my stubbornness, but three doctors told me that I was going to die if I kept doing what I was doing, and here's the crazy thing. I had to tell myself that I needed to be scared of the fact that they were telling me about I would die because I wasn't scared about that, really. That wasn't the true fear. The true fear was... One, they found out. I was a deer in the headlights, and they, were, they could see this mess of a person in front of them that couldn't even stop eating. And two, probably the bigger one, what they were asking me to do, to give up my friend food. Because I could not, I, I don't think this was a conscious, I know it wasn't a conscious thought, but I could not envision a life without my compulsive eating even though it was killing me, right? So a week, a month after that, I took their food plan. I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it this time. And a month after that, I was in a hotel room eating enough food for probably 10 to 12 people until I couldn't even walk. But the most important thing that happened to that part at that time was I finally, finally, for the first time, instead of, I just need to, I just need to, if I can only do this, 
I first, for the first time, I told myself, I can't do this by myself. And it took me a year before I got in the program. It took me a journey to get there. But when I got in, I had to get the desperation. I even had, I had a, I got a therapist. She helped me go into a treatment center. This was kind of the way I came in. But they, the biggest thing that I got from them is they brought me into these 12 steps. Really, the biggest thing. Because I went on a binge from the time I met my therapist to that time when I was going to go in that place. And that was really important for me because I think that whole process got me ready. The gift of desperation. So when I came in, I got a nutritionist that got this disease, that understood it, and gave me a food plan that removed all the foods that tended to cause me compulsively, and I didn't even know it because I wasn't in any place to kind of define that for myself. I got to tell you. And two, I was brought in this program. First day I came in, very first day I came in these rooms, uh, into the into that treatment center. That I went to my meeting. I didn't even know I was going to meeting until an hour of doing that. Right, and that was great because I couldn't not do it. So I showed up, and here I'm in a room with 60 people in it, in a hospital, where we had this really big meeting. And I remember the biggest thing that happened, and this is where hope and God entered in for the first time, I think, in some ways, because I was full of doubt, I was full of fear, I was afraid of this this thing that I was taking on. I didn't even know it, but I'd be. You have five minutes left. Thank you very much. I was being propelled by the desperation, which was good for me. And, and so I, I, 60 people there, and, I, and, I, and, and they said, hey, are there any newcomers? And, and I said, hi, I'm Mark. And 60 people said, hi, Mark. And if you want to, that was probably the most healing thing that happened to me at that point. And the second time was when, when, when you guys said, hey, a power, a God of your understanding. And normally with God, I would run the other way. I would have. I just, I don't know why. I just did. It's not like, I don't know, agnostic, atheist. I'm not sure. All I know is I resisted that word. I put power to that word. And I remember hearing a God of my understanding. And I remember myself saying, I can do that. And that was huge for me. And so I began this journey of, of, of coming into these 12 steps, right? And my life changed. Look, trust God, clean house, help others. That is the short-term note prescription for these, for these 12 steps. Trust God, right? You know, those first three steps are teaching me a lot about that. Now, trust God is in all these steps, really, quite frankly. You know, trusting God and acting on that decision. This is not a program of figuring things out. It's a program of letting go. It's not a program of learning. It's a program of unlearning. You know, I was looking in the, I was actually doing a meeting where we were talking about the 12 step, uh, the 12 step. And one of the things in there, it said, one day at a time, we have learned a whole new set of skills for living to clear from our lives everything that might interfere with our trust in this higher power. Now we don't, we don't have to fear anything that comes to us. We can sanely face each of these situations. Look, what happened to me is my history. The integrity of my response is my future, and that is what these 12 steps give me. Look at step five. The core principle is integrity. Sharing with God, myself, and another person the exact nature of my wrongs. Right? When I'm doing that every day, then I am doing the integrity of my response in my future, and it's going to be a bright future. When I go opposite of that, it's not. Look, step two for me in a lot of ways, hope means 
I know what happens when I work this program. I know what happens when I don't work this program. There are times I break out in a rash of self-will sometimes, right? You know, and, and, and I have this program to bring myself back to it. That's really all that matters. It doesn't matter if I make a mistake. It doesn't matter if I, you know, because if I'm, if I'm stretching in recovery and trying to do the best I can, I'm, I'm going to make a mistake. But I have these 12 steps to help, to heal me, to have a life that I never had. I remember my therapist telling me, I, I told her something along the lines. This was way back when I started the program. And I said, I'm broken and, I am, and I'm unlovable. And she said, I'm going to hold you. I'm, I'm going to challenge you on that. You're not broken. You put yourself in the darkness for a very long time and you stop growing emotionally. Now it's time to put you out into the sunlight. And she was essentially saying, I basically, my addiction had just sort of put me in a hole and I escaped reality almost like Peter Pan and I was giving myself crumbs to live on. That wasn't what was meant for me. Now it's time to put myself in the sunlight of the spirit. But let me just tell you, a person that shut his life down for 42 years of his life Sometimes that sunlight can be pretty bright. My sponsor always said this thing around, Mark, you're struggling with the gifts that God gave you. Let's take a look at that, right? You know, because I don't know. There's so many things that I'm learning in the oblivion of this disease that took away a lot of life. I'm almost starting over. And you know what? It's okay and it's great because I am 10 times, have 10 times more love for myself than I ever had. But I still have that dark passenger riding on. Once you're a pickle, you can't go back to being a cucumber. But I'm a beautiful pickle, and I'm going to be the best damn pickle that I can be that God would have me be today, right? You know, and, and you know, when we look at in, in that step 12 thing, restore to sanity, we choose not to eat self-destructively. If we should crave more food than we need, we know we can find relief in the steps instead of compulsive eating. That's hope. But also in that, in that first, first, pretty much first couple of pages of step 12, we still aren't cured. We need to keep moving forward in recovery, keep developing our spiritual consciousness if we are to remain spiritually awake and fully alive. We've got to clear from our lives everything that might interfere with our trust from our higher power. And that is the keep coming back in step 10. That's the perseverance of step 10. Keep coming back. Make a mistake. Okay. Keep coming back. Get right back on the horse. Anyway, it sounds like that's my time. I want to thank yeah. you all for letting me share. Thank you so much. And I'm so sorry about all the little little uh, hiccups we had along the way there. <laughs> okay, Mark. Thank you so much. Uh, and would you like to leave your phone number? Sure. Absolutely. So it's Mark. M, last name, uh, last initial M. Um, my number is 502-468-4814, and that's Eastern Standard Time. So again, 502-468-4814, Eastern Standard Time. And by the way, I, I know there's a topic thing. So the topic, I think, would be trust God, whichever step you bring to that that helps you to trust God. Thanks. Thank you so much, Mark.